Poker Stories is an audio series that features casual interviews with some of the game's best players and personalities. Each episode highlights a well-known figure in the poker world and dives deep into their favorite tales, both on and off the felt. Hello and welcome to Poker Stories, a podcast brought to you by Card Player, the Poker Authority, and hosted by me, Julio Rodriguez. This is episode number 47, featuring German high-stakes poker pro Dominic Nietzsche. Dominic is only 27 years old, but he is absolutely considered one of the veterans of the tournament circuit at this point in his career. This is a guy who already held a six-figure bankroll when he was in high school, and as an 18-year-old, he won a Latin American poker tour event in Argentina for $381,000. Dominic traveled all over the world and cashed in pretty much every country that has ever offered poker. He won his first World Series of Poker bracelet in 2012, taking down a 1K Hold'em event for 654 grand. And he even took down a World Poker Tour title in Johannesburg, South Africa. Dominic continued to be a consistent performer on the tournament circuit, winning his second bracelet in the WSOP National Championship in Atlantic City and his third in another 1K at the 2014 Summer Series. But it was the high rollers that he really wanted to crush. The 888 Poker Ambassador got his wish in the last year with more than $8 million in caches. After finishing third in the ACOP in Macau, Dominic won the $111,000 buy-in one-drop high roller at the WSOP Europe in Rosvedov. Not only did he pick up his fourth bracelet, but also a top prize of almost $4.1 million. He's since made 10 high roller final tables and scored three more wins. As of right now, he has $15.4 million in live tournament caches, along with another $5 million or so online. Dominic is a very interesting guy who clearly loves poker, but he probably doesn't love poker the same way or for the same reasons that you or I do. And I think you'll get a sense of that in this interview. Anyway, that's enough intro. Here's my conversation with Dominic Nietzsche. Dominic, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Ready and excited to play the- Did uh, you uh, shake off the jet lag yet? I've been here for a while, I'd hope so. Yeah. Uh, Played a couple tournaments, doing good. Yeah, no, ready to play the 100K spot to start, so. Yeah, so do you do anything differently the night before a big, you know, high roller or? Just try to get some sleep and eat right? Well, it's, it's, it, here it kind of depends, you know. Usually you could play late, but unfortunately for me I didn't play late because there's always a tournament the day before. Mm-hmm. So you can't really plan what you're going to do the night before. So for me I just play that tournament and when I'm out then I go have dinner, have friends, my girlfriend, and then I'll just go to sleep at a reasonable mm-hmm. time. And then actually I try to go to sleep late so I wake up late so, I'm re- <laughs> so I can still play my best uh, 10, 12 hours into the tournament. Right. You don't want to wake up at 8 a.m. if the tournament yeah. starts at 2. Exactly. When <laughs> I say you want to be on a good sleeping schedule, you don't. I don't mean like it's an actual It's not a normal sleep. human schedule. Yeah, I mean the poker sleeping <laughs> schedule kind of. So you want to wake up around 11, that's pretty good, and then you yeah. refresh to play until midnight because... the next How are you at sleeping anywhere? Can you sleep on a plane when you're traveling and stuff? Are you pretty good about uh, that? I guess, yeah. I can sleep pretty well with an eye mask. I, mm-hmm. As long as it's dark, I can sleep anywhere, I think. Yeah, it's Just, the life uh, of a poker player. you got to adapt. Exactly, yeah. All right, born 1990 in Minden, Germany. Cor- Correct. First, first so, German yeah. on the podcast. Congratulations. 
Nice. First, they, first German. They are our biggest audience. <laughs> among so countries. I think you could be the first German poker anything, so I'll take it. You're climbing up the ranks on Germany's all-time money list. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but tell me That's about the real Minden. Goal. <laughs> tell me about Minden. Beautiful city. Yeah. Not really. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a small city in uh, northern Westphalia, next to pretty close to Hanover. And uh, I'd be surprised if any of your viewers even heard of it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, there we go. It's but what what was little Dominic getting into back in the day? Video, very little Dominic was very good at video games. <laughs> Played some chess. Not that good at chess. And uh, then, yeah, I found poker at a pretty young age. So that, that took over from playing video games. That took over from other activities. But you were always school. a games-minded individual? Oh, of course. I used to play, as I said, video games. I'd always like the video game. I, I played a lot of Warcraft 3 mm -hmm. and uh, played some chess when I was younger. And How yeah. good were your video games? Were you like... Playing no. in Japan, Elky no, levels. No, 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 <laughs> not Elky levels. I was also, I was quite young. I was the game. I, I started playing Warcraft when it, when it was already out for a couple of years, and uh, the world class was so far ahead that I could never get there. Plus, I also wasn't fast enough. You know, because like for these games, you need extremely fast reactions. Uh, but I had a strategic mind, and that helped, and that was good. That helped me. It's uh, yeah. There's also like a natural ability when it comes to playing professional video games that other people have that are just far better than me. I'm. I'm pretty decent at most video games, <laughs> if I put my mind to it, but really, to get to a world-class level, I'm just missing the reactions and, uh, yeah, just the, the speed, I think, and just... So it's yeah. a good thing you found poker, how'd that happen? Uh, poker has nothing to do with speed, thankfully, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although now with the shot clocks... You know, actually, the opposite <laughs> these days, yeah. It's a bit faster, but no, I actually, I'm thankfully not that slow. It's more of the, uh, the hand-eye coordination that was never my strongest... Uh, mm -hmm. I was never, yeah, basically... Video games are a lot of hand-eye coordination, so I believe that's some talent that I was never gifted with. But I was pretty... <laughs> I always used to be pretty decent at math, so hey, it, it, it all works out in the end for some people. I can't so you were a everything. good student? No. No. I never did my homework, but that's a different story. You, maybe you were too, too brilliant for school. I don't want to say <laughs> that. I, I wouldn't say that. It's, I always used to be somewhat smart or something at, at math and solving number problems because poker is really not much more than just solving fairly basic math as long as you can break it down to that and that I can solve and I was pretty good at that from a young age even even before before school started I could figure out mathematics problems a couple years ahead of my time but I'm, I'm not a math genius or something I, dedica I didn't dedicate any time to it <laughs> and I basically got through school you School. took your head start and you used it for poker. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, yeah, you could say that. I basically didn't do anything with my with my uh, head with my four year, five year head start. <laughs> I had on my kids in school. I never did anything. So when did poker make its appearance? Who, who uh, introduced you to the game? Uh, we, we were watching uh, the World Series a couple of years back, a lot of years back at this point. So I have to think. Well, who was winning the World Series? Yeah, that's time? what I'm thinking. Uh, Jamie Gold. 2016. It must have been Jamie Gold, yeah. 2006, because... Yeah, that, that, that must have been the summer where we really watched it for the first time. And before then, there was something called Late Night Poker or something on yeah. DSF in Germany, so we watched that. And yeah, then we played Sid and Ghost, and the first summer we all followed as poker fans was the Jamie Gold summer, yeah. So that, that makes sense in that order, for sure. And after that, it was just like home games and putting money online. Home games, not putting money online. Of course, not until you were 18. I yeah. played free rolls. Yeah. Playing free rolls, you know, you can play free rolls. 
Statue, <laughs> play the free roll. limitation doesn't run out on that one. Yeah, but back then, a couple of free rolls and uh, played those. Yeah, but that was the first summer we followed, and back then they had the broadcast, and it was really cool. Because then the World Series was, like, it was such a big event, you know, we were staying up late night, watching everything, you know, <laughs> watching everyone who's competing in um, the World Series events. There were different events. Didn't Phil Gaffon win a 5,000 rebuy or something? He Omar. did, it was like, like a PLO. Was it that year? Yeah, I, 5K rebuy. Was it that year? Mm-hmm. So, like, I still remember this, so that was awesome. So that's what, that's what really got me into poker. Not just the main event, but all the whole surroundings around this. So and you were a fan? Of course I was a fan. Yeah. I watched... You know, it's how I always... Who were your players back then? I mean, because Germany did, didn't really get a big, oh. big star until... Sebastian Rufenberg? Yeah. Like, probably 2008, Great 2009. Guy, of course, yeah. Get to meet him. Yeah. No, just the, the famous people. You're just watching this, mm -hmm. and you just you were just watching whoever is on, and, you know, you're, you're listening to WSOP back then. And that was really cool. That was the, that was the first... Uh, Thing I really enjoyed watching. And so is that awesome. what you knew you wanted to do from an early age? Or? No, no, no. I was just—it's just a game. You're just trying to get better. You yeah. know, how do you get better at Warcraft Three? Well, you download replays of the top professionals and you figure out why are they doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. So to me, it was just natural. To say like, oh, yeah, poker. Well, if these guys are giving away information, then probably there is something to learn from. So you either watch them or you buy books they've written. You know, Harrington on Holden back then was probably the best resource. So I bought that, and to me, it was just natural that. This is the way to learn. If you want to get good at something, you look at someone who's among the best. And unless you're at their of level, course. you're probably better off just uh, somewhat trying to copy what they do and figuring out what they do. And then once you have that, then you can figure out how to do, how to do better than them. But just starting out, that's not the thought. You're not thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to beat Phil Ivey. Or, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're just thinking, okay, Dan Harrington is giving away the information. He's doing X, Y, Z. This is why. He explains it very well. I understand this. Now I'm going to try and apply it online. And uh, yeah, that that's to me, to me that's what, how it was, you know. Um, back then, you obviously uh, you were looking at it from a different perspective. You're thinking these guys, they're super geniuses. They have the game completely solved. They know exactly what they're doing. They can read souls. They can read souls. <laughs> but but the truth is that you know they half the time were guessing themselves and they were inventing some sort of concepts that you know in hindsight, looking back at it a couple of years ago, they were flat out wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> back, back then it didn't matter because their competition was that much worse. Mm -hmm. So what it looked like to me as a fan was that they were the, the super geniuses who had it all figured out. And it's just now a, a lot of years later that you can actually mathematically prove what's right, what's wrong, this and that. So you can see that a lot of the ideas were, as I said, wrong. But it didn't matter because their opponents were just doing so many worse yeah. things that these guys were winning at an extremely high win rate. And that's They can an, play exploitatively and... They can, well, you know, they can play in whatever way they want when their opponent does something incredibly uh, <laughs> stupid. And that that's what always was apparent in the uh, Harrington on Holden books a couple of years back. If you if you look at them, you can see that Harrington in general played fairly okay, and then his opponents would just do something incredibly stupid, and that's why his place worked. And right. he just, yeah, he was basically less bad at poker than others. And then if you look back at this, then, hey, this is how you kind of learn how to play poker back Well, then. let me ask you a question, since you brought up Harrington on Holden. Like, if somebody picked up Harrington on Hold'em today and tried to use that to make a living in poker, how high of a level could they get to and still be profitable? Or is it is there no level that it would be profitable? Oh, days? God, no. <laughs> With just Harrington on Hold'em, reading books one, two, three, and applying everything? I mean, because obviously not everyone in the world is going to use solvers. For no, of course not. No, I'm, I'm not an expert on low-stakes tournaments. That's why I don't even... Yeah. Up to five five dollar tournaments online, you should definitely be able to beat, and you should be able you should be <laughs> able to beat the daily uh, one forty at Aria. Yes, 
there you go. There you go. So if you, for the casual player, it, should, it could still work. But for anybody else looking to go beyond... Oh, I mean, there's obviously better resources, which yeah. is why I hesitate. Because I say with just Harrington on Hold'em, you could probably do this. You could do a little bit better, you know. Um, my girlfriend sort of plays the, <laughs> the weekly tournaments, and she played a bit at the Venetian. And from some of the things she told me, I've, I've taught her a little bit of poker. Mm -hmm. Not too much yet, and uh, not much beyond Harrington on Hold'em strategy, but... Right, but like the stuff that you're applying in your tournaments, right. would that even help her in her tournaments? Oh, of course, of course. It would, even though your opponents are thinking at a such a uh, higher level. I mean, of course it would. You know, one 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 really easy concept to grasp for a lot of people is that if you raise preflop, and the big mind calls, first of all, you should know what you race with by position. Mm -hmm. Those things don't change too much. Whether you're playing, if you if you whether you're playing Phil Ivy or whether you're playing someone who's just fairly good, you know, you're not going to raise more hands. Or less hands. You know, you're still playing roughly the same hands because if you're from early position, there's still seven other people behind to worry about. So you're not going to adjust your strategy from UTG just because the big one's a little bit worse Right, player. you have your set hands from each Some, position. Somewhat. Well, somewhat, you know. This is, this is it's more true if you're in early position because there's other people behind. If there's only one player behind, I say, hey, do whatever you want. That's a fairly easy concept, player right? Player dependent. Right? Yeah, of course. But if there's, if there's if it's a multiplayer game, it gets really tough to make these adjustments. So... Let's say you raise and that person calls. You know, it doesn't matter if it's, as I said, some super poker genius or if it's just the random guy at the bar on a board of ace-king-7. If you're UTG, you're going to win the hand more often than that guy, you know? It doesn't yeah. matter who sits there. Because because your range is better than his range. Right, yeah. And if it's not, then you win the hand preflop 95% of the time. Yeah. If you get what I'm saying? So basically, those things, they apply through all buy-in levels. And that's an important concept you can teach a low-stakes player is if you have the stronger range, you know, if you, if you just look at what you call from the big blind, you know, the hands that you can cover from the big blind, they're mathematically proven, you should be calling with those hands from the big blind. If you don't, then you lose money by folding too much. You shouldn't be doing this. So there, therefore, the big blind is usually at a disadvantage unless the board is something like 5, 4, 6. It's very simple, right? So yeah. if you teach that to a low-stakes player, that's the first concept they can take away that, that applies all the way from a hundred dollar tournament or a thirty dollar tournament whatnot. It applies all the way to the highest stakes. You know, if you have preflop ranges that are somewhat solid, everyone has everyone plays a preflop range, you know. It doesn't matter how wrong the preflop range is, if the guy you know, if the guy only calls forty percent of the time, then he's still not gonna be able to beat your twelve percent, fifteen percent range on Ace King Seven. So these these concepts do apply across all games and it's how we play poker. It's just that at the higher stakes the ranges get more defined. And you get, you know, it get more, it gets more nuanced, you know, like, to, yeah. The, then the game gets played on the tricky boards. Like the seven six five is then the board where it becomes interesting and where you generate winnings if you play it better than the opponent. But on general, on like an, on like those boards, hey, I'm not gonna be able to beat you calling from the big blind if you are under the gun and the board comes ace king seven. I'm not gonna beat you, you know. There's no secret. Yeah. Speaking of not being able to beat you, I, I heard in an interview you said there's no way to beat GTO. Uh, can you explain that to the people who well, are just listening? Well, of course. This is the great. This is a great example I just I just gave right there. Mm -hmm. You can only beat somebody by being closer to GTO perfect than they are. Um, if they're playing, as, that that's would, the goal, that would be right? the that would be the definition. If both players try to play GTO, yes, of yes. course. Uh, this is somewhat what's going on in the high roller tournaments these days, where everyone just has the solvers, and then they play against each other, and after the hand people write down their hands and then they look it up or they look it up right away on their phone right so yeah if this is the progression of poker which i think it's going to be then yeah that is almost definitely true 
sure pe you can only beat someone at the game if you know how to make decisions better. For example, I go back to the Ace-King-7 board, uh, your opponent bets, and now it's on you, and your job is now to figure out what are you supposed to continue with against, you know, his range. His range is going to be betting a lot on the turn, he's going to have a lot of strong hands, okay, but you can't fold everything, right? You cannot always fold, so you only continue with your good hands. And yeah, well that's the that's the very definition of GTO is that you try to figure out how to play best against their strategy because their strategy is fairly simple. They have whatever range they open with, you know. They probably bet close to all of it. If you want to simplify it, you can say they bet all of it. Now it's on you to figure out how are you going to continue against that range. That depends on their bet sizing, depends on their aggression frequency on later streets, and you just have to figure that out. And, and the you reason make this decision based on. The homework you do away from the table. Well, it's for, for a human being, it's kind of impossible to just right away say to you, this guy plays this range, now it's on you to figure out how to continue. <laughs> like, good luck, you know, like, yeah. you're just guessing as a human being. It's, I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin solving this without the help of a computer. It's, it's really just... So you're taking the human element out of it. But you you gotta have you gotta do that to some degree because some actions become so automatic. No no one gives off any tells. You know if it comes Ace King Seven, the big blind always checks under the gun. Already sits there with his chips in a sense like right. bro check. Check you know? C bet. You know, yeah, it's gonna be check that C bet. Hurry up. You know because everyone also is like so inclined to get in more hands to make the game a more fun environment. That's also a trend I've noticed and I really like it. It's also help when when decisions have become more automated. It's become more acceptable to just be like check bet. Forward, check. Right next. So it gets yeah. So you know, no stupid tanking. Why would UTG sit there for thirty seconds and then throw in a dumb? Right, no Hollywooding like, to balance people's you know just for yeah. folding. You check. You're betting anyway. Come on, no bet, right? And so this is this has made the game for one more fun, and but also yeah, right now you have this puzzle now bet and then it's acceptable for the person in position to take a while because he has to factor in all the other decisions. He can't give off any tells. That's fine, but you know the automatic check, the automatic bet. Now it's on you to figure it out, and uh, yeah, that's how the game is played. Um, we well, brought up fun. Uh, is the homework part of it fun? Do you find this <laughs> version of poker that we've evolved into at the highest stakes fun? Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's a. Uh, Do you find it as fun as when you were eighteen and reading people's fun. souls at the LAPT? I tell, I tell, well, actually, looking back at LAPT, I just. A lot of it was exactly just raising a lot and just knowing when I was ahead and they weren't. <laughs> That's how poker was played back then. You have the you have the better range, bet, go for it, <laughs> and just run people over. But yeah, uh, but your enjoyment level. These this days. this is more this is more nuanced. Uh, now that I'm playing all these aria high rollers, they're a lot of fun. I get along with everyone in the field. Uh, it's a lot of banter back and forth while playing, and it's just a very ca casual atmosphere. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think it's extremely fun to compete against some other people that are extremely smart, that worked very hard on their game, and uh, to compete against people that think on your level. Uh, you got to realize that edges are extremely thin, so if you bust a couple tournaments in a row, it's no big deal. Uh, it ha that, that helps with not getting tilted, for sure. Uh, in terms of actually enjoying the game, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, to this day, I still have a lot to learn. Uh, as I said before the podcast, I was helping Corey with some final table strategy, and I'm excited to see how that's... Right, Corey Aldemir, who's yeah. at the final table of the 50K, the 50K today right, at the yeah. Poker Masters. We're here at the Ivy Room at the Aria. Uh, thanks to them for letting us use their room. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I want to I get back to what you're talking about, but let's talk a little bit about your start in your career. Okay. 18 years old, you win that LAPT event for 380K. 
Do you just go to the parents and say, I'm turning pro, <laughs> screw college, or how did it work out? Or was it like, hey, I have all this bankroll, let's see what I can do with it? Uh, the latter. I was in high school, I just... You won that amount in high school. You're still in high school. Yeah. I won, uh... You're the richest 18-year-old... In Minden, possibly. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a big claim, guys. I don't know. I don't well, we're only counting the 18-year-old, self-made 18-year-olds. 18 18 possibly. But... <laughs> Minden's not a very... Uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was playing online, obviously, before then, and I... It wasn't as life-changing as people think. I had... It's no secret I had a bankroll of 150,000 before I went to play that thing. I qualified for it six times online. It's uh, <laughs> you're profiting no matter what. I was the biggest winner in the satellites for this thing, and uh, yeah, back then they had the steps and goes. Uh, shout out to <laughs> you know the steps and goes back then. That was awesome. Two thousand dollars sit and goes against uh, a bunch of Argentinian fish. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I managed to win uh, six of those, and uh, yeah, no, actually I had a bankroll of a couple. But all of a sudden, fifty thousand roughly. All of a sudden, it's half a million. And what, yeah. is, is that when you decide this is going to be my career? When did you decide I want to play poker for a living? I don't know. I was just sort of... I was just winning online. It was just a game to me. I was playing, playing, you know, still learning how to play, how to get better at the game, always trying to get better and just having fun with it. It was... Yeah, it was pretty easy back then. No secret. But I was just, yeah, having fun and playing. And then I was like, oh, you know, I'm 18. Now I get to play live, you know? Back then, you'd kind of look at the live tournaments. Because I, I was playing when I was underage, I was looking at these live tournaments. I was like, oh my god, everyone is so bad. Yeah. Why I want to play. the updates going, ah! Let me in, let me play, <laughs> right? And I've, yeah, I started playing EPTs when I was 18, obviously, and just, yeah, I just wanted to get in. And for me, I was still in high school, so I could only go to some of them. I took a couple of weeks off from school to go to all the millions because that was my first. I just wanted to do that, so I did that. My parents were okay with that. Yeah, they didn't mind, I guess, huh? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're 18, you can do whatever you want. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, and then Argentina. And I, I did Irish Open and I did Argentina, and they were both some, They were back-to-back. -back. So I could go Irish Open and then I could go to Argentina, book the flight, play both. Thankfully, I mean, thankfully won one of them. You've been uh, everywhere on, on Earth, I'm pretty sure. I've been pretty point. much everywhere, yeah. But yeah, uh, I didn't decide to go pro. Uh, for me, it was, as I said, it was a game. I just... Uh, just, just cool. enjoyed the game. And yeah, kept going. I won the tournament. You know, I win tournaments online. I was I was pretty much just thinking about time, guys. You know, because I bricked like five in a row, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it was good. No doubt, it was the money was really good. It helped a lot. But hey, I was just you know just happy to get to play live poker back then. You know, I didn't I didn't really have any plan. I didn't think I'd be doing this ten years later. I thought maybe I would be. I don't know. 2012 yeah. was that the first bracelet, the 1K. Yeah, six hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars, American. Uh, what? You have four bracelets now. What? What? Did, what do you feel about them? How do you? Do you care? Are they somewhere special? Winning, tur winning tournaments is fun. Oh, it's obviously fun. I don't care to get I, the biggest payout. I don't care if I win a two hundred dollar tournament when I play online on Sundays just for fun. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if I win. I don't know a twenty five k at the Aria. I just love playing tournaments and the higher the more fun the the better my competition the more i actually enjoy competing and playing and battling i love playing heads up cash games online that's my mm -hmm. this my this my favorite uh game to battle in and i've played against a bunch of good people and i just really enjoy playing and figuring out how to play the game on a high level i'm not too motivated by titles i just love playing and competing against the best i 
the reason I picked up Heads Up Cash Games is because I, I really enjoy the game of No Limit. I think it's such a great game and it gets really exciting when you compete with another strong player. You know, it gets exciting when you it gets exciting when you bluff catch and your opponent is actually bluffing something. Yeah. And then you get to see what they bluff with and you go back and you figure out was that a good bluff? Would you have done this? You run it through <laughs> software, you you run you run some sort of super awesome bluff on someone heads up. And it all that stuff it goes way back to what I just said earlier. I said, well, playing under the gun against Big Mind is so boring because someone's always far ahead. This doesn't exist in Heads Up No Limit. Yeah. And it doesn't exist when you play Button against Big Blind either, but those spots don't come up very often because the other people could raise and stuff. So the reason poker is fun to me is because it's of all these interesting situations that can come up and that are so that are almost too tough for a human being to solve, so you need to simplify them using software. And then it gets extremely interesting because then you can figure it out, you can use these strategies, which bet sizing to use, yada, yada, yada. While in most tournament situations, it's somewhat apparent what the right strategy is, you know. If you, if there's no ICM involved, uh, these, these simple situations are extremely simple, they're somewhat boring, but that doesn't exist in Heads Up No Limit or it doesn't exist at a final table even. That's why, that's what's fun to me, you know, figuring out these new situations. That's fun, and that's why I enjoyed Heads Up so much when I picked it up. And I just, re I just really enjoy the aspect of No Limit Hold'em is that you can bet any amount you want. That's a really fun concept. You can bet three times the pot. You can bet a quarter of the pot. You know, it's up to you how to figure out how you want to do this. You know, it's up to you how to figure out which cards you want to use this on, what part of your hands you want to do this with. And that's really so just the, the fun to me. it's the puzzle that you, that you of course, like more of course. than the accolades. I don't like the I mean, I sure, it's fun. You know, it's nice to get recognized to be good at something that you've worked a long time at. But, you know, it's nice that I have the money and to be able to do this. But I don't... I don't know. I don't know. I could. I don't think I could get motivated anymore to grind, uh, to grind out a 1k or some. You know, I will play them at the World Series because they're on. Because hey, it's my job. You know, I, I you know, but I'll probably bring my iPad and I'll just play my standard game. But you, I don't. You I don't prefer the competition, the high level competition. Of course, of yeah. course. Uh, at least to some degree, it's. You know, I play them because they're profitable. I also get a lot of enjoyment out of a deep run. But just, you know, because then the ICM factors get involved and it's the whole puzzle game again. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. So the bracelets are in a bank vault somewhere. Now bracelet? being displayed. I can't. <laughs> I'm not at home often enough to tell you where I hide my bracelets. <laughs> I get to work. Be worried. Safety. No. The bracelets are at home. They're on my desk. They're nice to look at. Well, I, I don't mean them. go go Rob Domic. I'm saying, like, <laughs> yeah. how much do you care? Are they in a in a trophy case? You know, I have like a little trophy display? place. Did you I have give a little them to a family member. No, I have a like little trophy this? place at home in my apartment. All right, that's cool. I you like care them. a little bit. No, I, I I like them. You know, they're just, you know, they're, I like them. They're mm -hmm. they're part of what I've earned. You know, I wouldn't. I mean, you know, I I'm more proud of my, the way I play poker and the respect I've earned among the high roller wrecks that I they, they think I'm one of the better players. Well, let's talk I am about the bracelets. Let's I, talk about that because. You know, you said in October last year that you felt that you had underperformed in the high rollers and that variants hadn't been on your side in some of the bigger buy-in tournaments you've played. Yeah, I'll go And over now, that. $8 million later, <laughs> how do you feel? 
Literally, that was October. It's less than a year later, and it's $8 million in cash. Well, well, first of all, I've recently started running bets, so I'm just hoping I can change it with this podcast <laughs> like I did with the last one. Uh, that that usually happens on this podcast, I actually. Hope it happens with Remco's podcast. I don't know. <laughs> the, the Joe Ingram podcast, too. So I've been do- pushing the run good. So no, that's why you said yes to this, because you need the luck? So yes to everything <laughs> after this week. No, all joking aside, it's... um. As I said so many times, hey, it's just variance, man. You just play mm-hmm. the game. You try to play well. If you play well, you win eventually. If you don't, then if you don't play well, hey, you might also win. So how do you Hard feel play. about how variance has treated you now yeah. in your career? Are you on the Jason Mercier side of hey, it? Are you kidding me? I've run super hot, obviously. <laughs> All things considered, I've run super hot. You know, if you, I've obviously run super hot in low buy-in events. Mm-hmm. Um, I've won... I've won, a bra- I've won two bracelets in one case. Hey, that means I've run super hot, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Just talking about the high rollers. Um, Fourth place, Germany's all-time list. 15.4 million. Coming close on Reiner. Right oh. on his heels. Oh, God damn it! I need to play better this week. <laughs> I have to get Reiner. No, I mean, I've obviously run good, yes. And especially recently, it feels nice that, uh, that I'm finally cashing uh, all these things. Yeah, um, it kind of started with one drop and then the run I've been on since has been extremely good. Yeah, and it just feels nice, but I can honestly say that I'm not really doing anything different as I was before, so hey. Um, one yeah. drop uh, for those wondering at home, the $111,000 buy-in, this was in Razvedov, 2017 World Series Poker Europe, and first place for $4 million US. Yeah. What, what does that do to you? Nothing? Pretty I mean, much. Obviously, you're very happy that I'm night. Out. I was more relieved than anything. I was like, mm-hmm. "See, guys, I can finally win this thing." Because, <laughs> because like the moment I won, Rhino walked up to me and said, "About time you win something." I was like, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> but I got a lot of shit for firing the most bullets. I got a lot of shit for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Just running bad overall, and uh, no, that really helps that you have people around you that you know have still tr- they still trust in your abilities to win these things, even if you brick. You know, mm-hmm. the variance in tournaments is insane. And even if you look at something like 200 tournaments, just look at 200 tournaments. You know, if you compare two equal players, they can have vastly different results. Just over 200 tournaments. If you think about what 200 tournaments means in a lifetime of playing live poker tournaments, that's a couple, a, that's a couple, that's a couple <laughs> years, you know. And Somebody might try and fail and never try again. Certainly. And... You know, someone might not be that good of a player and then they might go on a run and win. Or someone might be a good player and not go on a run. So, with that in mind, those results shouldn't affect you. And uh, that's why I'll honestly say that the only, the only thing I felt after I won was relief. I was like, see guys, I can do this. I've, <laughs> I've been telling you for a long fucking time that I'm a good player. And <laughs> I, I put in the hours. I, I know exactly what I'm doing. And uh, boom, yeah, no, I, the, the last few months have been extremely good. Uh, there, was a, there was a stretch in Vegas where... The first time I came to Vegas this summer, I just bricked everything. and But then I came back to Vegas, won two tournaments at the Aria. Yeah, you won the 25K at the Aria for 270, then the yeah. 10K at Bellagio. Yeah, well, that was, at, that was at Omaha. That was pure luck. I don't want to <laughs> I, I don't wanna <laughs> no, chalk anything. 100K there, though. I don't want to say that was well played. I, don't, I, uh, <laughs> I got lucky in that one. No, but all joking aside... Um, I, I chopped the other one of Adrian Mateos uh, on the day on the day off of the main event, <laughs> and yeah, no, I'm really just I, that just felt nice, and it was that, those ones are always fun to me because they're battling against such strong players. Those are the tournaments where you actually apply what you've studied at home, and you just bring it and bring it and bring it and bring the newest concepts you've worked on, and that's awesome to play those. And yeah, but the the 10k PLO uh, 
the only reason I played it was because I've been doing a lot of ICM work and I figured I would I would put it to test in a different game and see how that works. <laughs> it, it worked. My PLO game is uh, spotty, leaky. I don't know. I don't know the right word, but I'm pretty good at tournaments, so hey, that there worked. There you go. If you move somebody off their hand, it doesn't matter where your hand is. Aggra that's, a good, that's actually very true, because that's a quite important concept in tournaments. And if you apply it correctly in PLO, it works, apparently. I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to playing more PLO tournaments in the future as well, simply because of all the work I've done. Need to get a bit better PLO, but hey, tournaments. One more high roller question. You you mentioned the fun. You you have fun. I believe you have fun. I have you, a lot of fun. You were passionate when you talk about, you know, the math behind everything, the solvers, the studying. Uh, do you th do you care about how fun it looks to the average TV viewer? Does the high roller community care about the ecosystem of high roller players? Or is it a matter of just oh, fleecing oh, it for yeah. as much as you I can think right about now? It. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to be honest, me personally, I don't, I don't care too much about what it looks like. I'm just first. There, there's there's a couple ways, right? First of all, if I play them, I'm just myself. I'm not gonna put on a show for the TV cameras. You of know? course not, especially at the expense of your bankroll. But there we go. That I, I wouldn't even want to get to that. Even if you know, it's just, I wouldn't do it because that's not who I am for a start. And I can, in a, in a normal tournament, you know, and even in the first level, I talk to the people I want to talk to, and uh, you know, I joke around. You know, sometimes I'll show my cards, but I don't care how what it looks like to anyone. You know, I, I'm just myself. I just I just play, and I like I like to talk to my friends and you know the people I've met, and I've met a lot of interesting people in these high rollers, and they're all very fun fun and friendly guys. Now, do I care what it looks like to someone else? I don't know, not really, no, it's just, I'm just myself, I just have fun. Um, I just joke around, that's who I am. But I'm exactly the same way whether there's a camera pointed at me or not. And, uh, right, yeah, but I, I just is, the, is the solver community, I don't, you're obviously, you're not all the same group, no. but are you guys collectively worried about everyone becoming that and the tournaments no longer being profitable to play in? Is my point. No, like, I, I don't. I don't think I'm. I, I'm not worried about this, and uh, I, I just think that the environment of the high roller tournaments right now is fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Uh, no one. No one takes forever to make their decisions, as I said many times, and I always think that's a that was a. That's a very bad downside, you know, that people used to do, they just waste time when they were betting anyway. Yeah. Like, what's the point, you know? If, and if you don't do this, you get, you know, it becomes more bearable because it's all, like, so much faster, so much more friendly. And, yeah, no, I think everyone pretty much... And it's it, over in two days as opposed it's, to a it's, week. <laughs> it's just less stressful to play these things. Everyone is friendly. Everyone already knows what they're doing, kind of. Just chatting, having a good time. But that's just—it's just natural, you know. You got—you got to think that these were—we were, were all people that we got into poker at a young age, you know. And it's—it's—it's it's, it's not easy for young people to get thrown into this giant community, you know. Some of them that are just starting out—they're not going to be chatty right from the start. Of course. But I think we're for the almost part very intelligent human beings that have a lot of interesting things to talk about. And I—I I wasn't very chatty when I first started, but now I don't. It's. You're just playing with the same people over and over again, so it's it's just a very friendly environment. And whenever someone comes in who's new, yes, you show them a good time, but that's just you know that's just good manners. I don't think I'm 
I don't think I'm like hunting them, you know, being extra nice to someone to come back. It's just who I am, you know. If someone new comes in, I'll talk to them and say, oh, it's cool, you know, like someone new shows up, like, what are you doing? What's your story? Yes, you also do that to gather information about them to some degree. Hey, I'll say it, you know. Yeah, of course. When I show a card at a table, I do it to gain information, you know. Yeah. When I talk to someone, I do it to gain information. But I'm not deceiving someone and, you know, being fake and like lying to their face just to get them to come back to come to their money, you know. If it's someone who I don't like, then I won't talk to them or, you know, <laughs> just... It's, I don't want to be fake, you know, that's like one of... That's, that's, for, that's for other people, you know, that's for the people who want to get into private games, they can be fake and, stu and stuff. But I can honestly say that I'm just myself and I, I feel like people get along with me just fine in the high rollers and I can say that for the most, most people as well. Well, uh, tournaments, obviously, no one can shut you out. Do you play any cash at all? Is that something... Online only, because I... Let's, let's go back to the competition aspect that I enjoy of, of it. To practice, to play tough games against really tough competitions. But yeah, no, I... The live games, I've never really played in anything. I don't really aim to, uh, unless I get to play in a TV game, that would be kind of fun. I don't really want to. Um, I just enjoy the high roller tournaments. That's what I'm good at, that's what I like to... That's what more fun to me, really. I probably do alright in the cash games, but... I don't, I, I just, that goes back to like the whole, would I act, I don't want to act fake in front of a camera just to get into a game, that's just not me, that would just look extremely silly. Mm -hmm. I don't think I could pull it off, I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm an honest person, I just, I can be funny, I can talk to people, but I don't, I don't want to do the whole fake, you, you know. You don't want to be a salesman to, to, you know, I don't want to, to shear be. the sheep. I don't want to be because I don't have to be, I haven't, yeah. I have made enough money as I do, I don't need to. I'm not a terrible poker player who needs to get into games just to make a living. I can make a living playing the hardest games in the world. That's the quote right there. The debatably, <laughs> okay, I want to say debatably <laughs> hardest games in the world. Occasionally wow. dabbling in the actual hardest games in the world online for fun. <laughs> but hey, I do alright in I do alright in those too. You know, there you it's go. Not, there you go. So it goes. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a. Uh, I just like that part of the game. I don't like the, the salesman part of the game. You know, and hey, and. If I do look serious on a final table, you know, in one drop, I'm pretty sure if I look at my one drop footage, just going back to that, I look more serious than I am in any other tournament. Well, there's fucking four million dollars. Yeah, on top. of course. You and know, that's why you're supposed to be. It's it's, the, I've I've been on a massive downswing back then. I've never won any of these, and I just sit there and I'm like, I need to make my best decision, and I just need to make the best decision every single time. Here we go, you know. And now looking better, this almost a year later. I did that when I played it. I played extremely well, and I can make almost exactly the same decision if I'm a bit less serious. And hey, it's just I'm just having fun when I play. So even even when I was playing that, I was having so much fun. I was loving playing heads up against uh, Andreas, who's a phenomenal heads up player. So I was I was really loving this because I was just after I played so much heads up online. So it was so much fun to play. <laughs> do I, I want to make use the practice? Uh, yeah, the practice was put to use and. I, yeah, I was serious, but also I was having so much fun. That was that's the moment you live for to play these things as a tournament player. The biggest stage, you know. The how biggest stake. The the biggest stage obviously comes with the biggest swings, though. Of course. How scared are you of going broke and not being able to? About zero. I can't okay. go broke. It, you mean you can't go broke because you always find action? If I if I somehow go broke due to some unfortunate circumstances of. I don't know what it would take, but let's say tomorrow I find myself with zero dollars. Yeah, someone stole it. Ah, that would suck. <laughs> All of it? Everywhere? No, I mean... <laughs> Even under the bed? <laughs> that seems rough. 
But then I could sell stuff. And I, anyway, um, if I somehow zero dollars tomorrow, you're no confident way. on your ability to, to drum up action. Using of course, your head, yeah. of course. I would still be in the. You wouldn't even know it. I would just be in the next tournament. I would just be sitting there like nothing happened. Yeah. Well, that's happened to poker players before. And they, right. They had but if it somehow reasons. happens, you know, if this happens, which is, as I said, not possible, then I guess I would just be still in the next tournament. Someone would put me in for a ten to five percent free roll, depending on how tough the tournament is. And it would be go time. Yeah, just grind it back up from there. Yeah, uh, that's, it wouldn't be a problem. And I don't think I would change very much, you know. Of course, assuming I have my living expenses somewhat covered, because otherwise maybe I would freak out. But uh, <laughs> but no, I don't... Yeah, I just I, mean, like, you're poker broke. Like, oh, you couldn't play the next whatever until you talk to somebody. Well, then... Uh, someone you're not scared about that. Well, I'm just saying, I don't think it would happen. It can't happen. But if it did, then someone would put me in and I would play it anyway. Because so I have the reputation of being a good player. So, with that in mind, do you have an end goal? It sounds like your goal is just to play poker forever. No, no, no. <laughs> it is fun. But, nope, <laughs> these tournaments are fun. Um, yeah, you got to have an end goal in mind because it goes back to what you said earlier. Am I worried that, um, you know, the solvers take over, yada, yada, yada? Uh, I'm not even sure how to answer that. I kind of want to say yes. But then also I see some of the plays people make, and then I say no. <laughs> well, you had a quote that said by 2019 we're all going to be playing robot poker. You know I, I mean? want to correct that to 2021. 2021? <laughs> Slight correction. Slight correction uh, with the remark that I was actually right. People do play robot poker. Yeah. You walk around the high roller fields, and you can, if you just sneakily look at people's phones, <laughs> they all have software up. And know? even the old school ones are starting to dip their toe a little bit. Everyone has software up. Are you kidding me? This is ridiculous, you know? I don't know how I feel about this in general. and I, <laughs> I don't know if I should be saying this, but I think ev you walk around the room and, you, you know, everyone's on their phone and just like, hmm, what does this say I should do? <laughs> I mean, I do I think I started this nonsense. <laughs> I so don't know taking, about this, You're but taking your fair share of the blame. Of course. Yeah. Maybe I started this nonsense, but you walk through it and you just like, you know, like this regular, he has, he's just sitting there and has uh, the newest solver up and is just looking stuff up. And then you go to the next table, you know, and I actually, it was funny. I was texting my uh, friend Matthias, you know, I peeked over, I said like, this guy on your table has this up. And then he <laughs> responded with that guy on your table has this up. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what we're going to do about this. And I don't think this, I don't, I don't know if this should be allowed to some degree. Uh, it's something I'm gonna be looking to bring up actually maybe in the future. I don't know. It's happened yesterday So I've yeah. no, not even had time to process this, but it's but you you think it should just be an at-home thing Like learn it at home and take what you have in your head to the, to the tournament Or yes, look it no. up on the breaks. Or yes. Something. No, maybe you don't know. I don't know <laughs> zero No, I had no time to think about this But this this gets even worse, you know, and then what if I showed up to the tournament with like a hand rankings chart That showed that that's what they wish was the best hand <laughs> Flush beats a straight. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, no, if you simplify to the easiest cheat sheet, yeah, what's allowed, what's not. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know what should be allowed. That's a good point. But also, you just you just look at the guy and the guy, you know, the guy has 20 BBs and he has, like, perfect reshoving ranges up. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's uh, true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he can look that up before the fucker, he even the makes the play. The, the, guy sits, the guy sits on your left. You look. Oh, you see. Oh, yes, yes, the solver up. <laughs> well, fuck, how am I going to win now? Yeah. What, what is this? You know, it's... um. Yeah, you bring up a good point, because even if it's not during the hand, they basically can 
the research guy, their exact situation right, the before guy, it even the, comes up. The guy is UTG, you know, he's like, oh, hmm, I wonder what am I going to, you know, the button raises, I wonder what my strategy is, hmm, oh, okay. There you go. Puts it down and knows exactly what to do. I don't, I don't know what the, what the solution is to this, though. And uh, I, I, it's only something I've, I've recently started worrying about when I saw more and more people just, you know, doing it. Because I'll, I'll, I'll fully admit that this is, uh, you know, at least something that uh, is very easy to use. And, uh, hey, I'll admit it. I've, <laughs> I've done similar things before, you know, yeah. because, yeah, no, it's not technically <laughs> But it's, it's also something that everyone does, and that's why I'll... I would be very happy if, I don't know, maybe the solution would just be to ban phones or something. I went because to a something, comedy club to and something. they took our phones and put them in these locking right. bags right. that would only unlock once you left the building. Once they're inside, they, you couldn't open them. I don't know. It's actually it's actually maybe something I want to bring up after this is all over <laughs> because it's become a recent a recent thing where too many people are doing it. And it, it can get even worse, you know. Um, it's generally not... It's generally not a problem at final tables where phones are not allowed. That takes care of the problem pretty well. Uh, I don't know, maybe we gotta be stricter about this, you know? Yeah. Um, once we get to a point where people use, uh, use um, their phones to uh, look up the perfect GTO solution, what to reshuffle, I, I don't know, you know, yes, technically you're not on the phone in the hand, but you're, you're, you know, you're on your phone looking up the solution 20 seconds before it's your turn. Um, that's a valid concern. I don't it, know what the yeah. It, it's kind of. I mean, I I use my phone throughout the day. Uh, I I usually like to use it to because I don't get I, I get kind of bored when I play poker because it's as I said before it's always always the same boring situation. So when an interesting situation comes, I like I like to run it through on my phone and I like to you know make some adjustments and talk with my friends about how I would have played the hand. And that to me is part of the you know I enjoy that part. But I, like, once you get to looking up the exact preflop solu solutions in the middle of a hand, before it's your turn, that's that's where we've crossed the line and we need to do something. You know, yeah. if if you review if you review a hand after you've played it just to learn from it, I have no problem with that. I think that's completely fine, and that's actually cool and it's actually part of the learning experience. But if you're actively looking at a solution that tells you what to do right before it's your turn, I think we've reached a pretty big problem. Yeah. And the people are not even hiding it. People honestly just sit with their phone up to their eyes and they're like, scroll, scroll, mm, mm. <laughs> next position, scroll, scroll. It's like, okay, well, now we've reached the problem because I don't even want to go, if, if I see this, you know, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, now I need to play perfect ranges against them. And uh, I don't even want to go through, like, looking what, like, a, a businessman thinks of this behavior. Because they, they see it too, they don't hide it, they have their phone up. Mm -hmm. You look to the right, you see the guy has like, the guy has a poker table, that's what the newest solver looks like, he has a poker table up, you know, and then a chart. Every amateur who's somewhat interested in the game has seen those charts, they know what it is. You're just like, you basically feel like you're getting cheated because you're playing against someone who has this on their phone, you know, what, what does this look like? I Yeah, the optics aren't great, for, especially for people who aren't favorited in the tournament. Oh. They're just, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think this is terrible. I'm. It's, it's a recent thing, as I said. And I kind of want to try and do something about it now. Well, we got thir thirty no. minutes until that, or your hundred K starts. So I'm gonna try to bring up your mood a little bit with uh, some rapid fire questions. If, Let's go. If you're ready, I'm ready. Uh, <laughs> uh, your favorite tournament destination. I mean, you've literally been everywhere. I think you cashed in like 
in, ter in, ter in terms of where I enjoy playing the most, or in terms of what I just think is the most awesome destination? Both. I clearly enjoy playing the most here at Aria. Yeah? You yeah, like Vegas though? Nah. Just I like, like Off-Strip Vegas. I like I like the sushi uh, restaurants here. I, uh, I'm really, I'm really big. I'm really into food. <laughs> Naked Fish. Kabuto. Sen of Japan. Sen I like those two, yeah, for late night meal. I'm, I'm really into Kabuto and... Uh, uh, <laughs> no, um, Yui. Yui is good. And yeah, no, I really, en I just, I enjoy all the food here. When I come out here for the entire summer, I always enjoy that I, I never get bored of the food. You know, this week I've kind of gotten a bit boy uh, bored of the food because I'm just here at Aria all the time. And all they deliver to the Poker Go studios, Javier's. I'm <laughs> kind of bored <laughs> of that at this point. Um, but no, when we play in the poker room and we get all the options here at Aria, we have a lot of great food and I just enjoy playing here. It's just a comfortable environment. It's like, it's, you can focus on poker here, which is nice. Yeah. It's a competitor, but I recommend Seersucker at Caesars if you get a night. All right. It's great. Okay, cool. Right, yeah, so right I, in front of the club. Yeah, so. Um, and then in terms of coolest destination, I went to uh, Beirut a couple years back. It was one of the most fun trips. Yeah, no poker there. That was no, just I played poker. I won, a, I, won, I won a tournament there. <laughs> I missed I, this one. Of course I did. Yeah, no, it's not even on hand but it's funny. I won, I won that one. That was cool. Uh, so okay, what, was, uh, what did you do outside of the casino there, though? Just hang out with friends. I have a, I met a lot of Lebanese poker players back when I went to Cyprus a lot, so I became friendly with them. Mm -hmm. It's got so a good vibe from they the city. They showed me around their city and it was really cool. Like, a lot of fun. Okay, best swap or piece you've ever had of anybody? In terms of most money one, yeah. Or how? Sure. Whatever best means to you. <laughs> Maybe you had a real big underdog come through. <laughs> uh, oh, that's easy, actually. <laughs> that is so easy. Shout out to uh, Markus Prince, who uh, came third in the Montreal thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> the party poker <laughs> Montreal. Where I had, uh, I had a big piece, yeah. There you go. I had a very big piece. Way to come through. Uh, that was very easy, actually. I don't know why I hesitated so long. <laughs> you had to think through all the different pieces you've had. No, I, like, another one came to mind, because you said piece and swap, and I didn't think of people I stake. And then this <laughs> one just snapped into my head. Yeah, of course. Because it, right. it was just pieces, then I had uh, 10 Do you have a large stable? No, no, no. Pretty much just him. All right, so biggest pot you've ever won or lost could be cash, could be equity in a tournament. Your choice, win or lose. I won one drop. That must be it. Well, that was the tournament, but what the was biggest the pot? pot was clearly the. I don't think I can beat that though. It was four million. So if I won the last <laughs> pot, that would mean there was at least some sort of. Uh, you are right about that. The yeah, last yeah. pot must be at least worth some sort of million. Therefore, it must be that one. There could be there could be a situation. I don't think I could have lost the four-handed. You win almost all the chips, and that's the pot. That's why. That's exactly yeah. what I was thinking about. But I don't think that was the case on that one. There was no big all-in. So it was that one. You don't remember the hand? Anything but detail? Any details on that one? I was short stick going into heads up, so I probably didn't win a big pot. I don't know. Uh, I don't want to think about it this way. It's just scary if you think that this is a million dollars in the pot. <laughs> you try to blend that out. Don't bring it into my mind. I don't know. I think the biggest. So you don't think about that. What you don't think about that in the final table situations? Or I like can tell how you much the, real money this is. I can tell you the biggest cash game pot I lost. Although I can tell you the biggest cash game pot I lost. I want to hear it. Yeah. I don't think you want. It's, it's rough. It's a the Triton Poker high roller cash game uh, played in Jeju. Which is in Manila. 
Jeju. 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 It okay. only recently came out. I think episode two came out, and this is properly in there. Maybe not. I haven't watched it yet. And uh, it's not even much of a spoiler because I get an Ace King suited against Aces, and I don't win. <laughs> but the pot is really, really big because Mikita and I have more than one million US in front of us each. Oof. Oof. So yeah, I lost the roughly two point three million US pot. And how? Do, and what do you do when that happens? Do you take a walk? Do you? Reload, 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 reload okay. more chips. Yeah, hello, reload. You don't call over the masseuse to relax. You don't. Nah, don't have any more money. Take a shot. <laughs> reload. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Reload. <laughs> chips. Gotta get back in there. Actually, no. What you do is you run it twice. You still lose, and then you say reload. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you gonna do if it goes button open, small blind, three bets? You have ace king. You're playing 150 blinds. It goes in. Ace so, king suited so goes Makita in. had a great try. Fucking Mickey. I don't even know if I'm supposed to spoil this one, but I lost two million. I do whatever the f I want. <laughs> if you look, you can, I'm a VIP. Yeah, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? <laughs> uh, okay. Back, hold on. Watch that show. It's awesome. There's a lot of finance. I, I even win a little bit back. Maybe I go back to even. Unlikely. Yeah, keep keep the suspense up yeah. for the viewers. But there's, there's a lot of fun. There's a lot of fun hands in there. It's pretty cool. Uh, I don't. And hey, it's not all my own money. Not even close. So I don't. <laughs> I could laugh about it. I, I'm you are kind of. Uh, it's been a few months now. I'm over it. I don't know if I see you a lot with headphones at the table. Uh, but what do you listen to? What 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 do you? Uh, what are your that, musical that, interests? That really just depends on what I feel like. I don't. I, I almost never listen to music. I, I, I listen to podcasts. Shout out to Joe Ingram, by the way, who, who has made many boring grind sessions at least somewhat entertaining. Mm, Joe Ingram. I, I, I like Joey. And uh, yeah, no. So I try to listen to that, especially when I'm playing online. Uh, that's entertaining. Um, I've learned quite a bit from, you know, Ben Solsky podcasts with him and all of this. So that's that's really what I enjoy. What else do I listen to? I don't know. Sometimes you don't like music. I mean, no, 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 nothing. Are you a movies guy. Well, you can't really watch movies at a table. That's no, no, amazing. not at a table. I mean, people, people do. People do. I don't know. Nah, I just keep my TV watching also for after. I don't know. I'm I'm on my phone a lot. I like to be in forums. I like to talk about hands. When I play poker, I want my mind to think about poker, which is also why I said the Joe Ingram podcast because because it's a poker it's person. Poker yeah. really. So like, you know, you do if you engage your mind with this, it actually helps. I find you know, if I if I uh, watch a movie that's something entirely different, I can maybe do this when I'm at home, one or two tabling, you know, and then watching some TV. That I can do, but if I'm doing a live tournament, I don't know. It's it's difficult. I find it's yeah. I don't know, but yeah. Uh, we close the podcast the same way every time All right. with a question from the random question generator. All right. Are you ready? I love randomness. <laughs> okay. What was your favorite cartoon when you were growing up? The Simpsons. The Simpsons? Yep. Did you, were you like a disciple? Did you watch all of them? Were you, or was it just a casual thing? I watched every single day. Yeah. I watched everything, yeah. What was your thing? What did you like about it? You were a Bart Simpson wannabe? <laughs> no, not at all. Mm -hmm. I just liked it. I don't know. It was just... See, 1990, mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. I got six years on you, so... My cartoons were way different. I was thinking you were going to go back to, like, your childhood childhood. Because Simpsons <laughs> is, like, 12, right? 11, 12. Yeah, that's when I started watching it. Yeah. Yeah, but I watched all the old. Well, when I got into it, I watched everything. 
Alright, I'm when gonna I was, change when the I was question. A bit old, when I was... Change the question? Yeah, I'm gonna re When I was old, I watched South Park. Oh, that was... <laughs> oh, this one's fun. Have you ever seen anyone pull the Do You Know Who I Am card? Myself. Yeah? No, I'm kidding. What the you, fuck? You name dropped yourself? No, to get a of course not. Restaurant no. reservation no, or something? No. No. <laughs> some poker players have some pull. That especially work. here in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, Phil Helmuth, obviously, all the time. I don't know. <laughs> do you know who I am? What do you What do you do when you're not obsessing over hands in poker? I hang out with my girlfriend. I eat. I. You obviously live out of a suitcase and. Ah, I have a nice apartment in Edinburgh. Life's good. No, just hang. I just hang out. How do you like Scotland? Love it. Yeah. Yeah. They've accepted you as one of their own. I don't hear an no, accent uh, growing. <laughs> I don't know, we'll see what happens with Brexit. No, I'm, sure they've, I'm sure they've accepted me, I don't know. I feel right at home there, it's a good place, yeah. Alright, Dominic, I'm gonna let you go. All right. Go win that 100k. I'll try. Kill it. Thank you so much. I'll try my best. Thank you. That's the show. Thanks again to Dominic for the conversation and for sharing his unique perspective on how the game is being played at the highest levels. Dominic is an 888 Poker Ambassador and you can follow him on Twitter at Dominic Nietzsche to see where in the world he is and what event he's currently in. Uh, Poker Stories comes out every two weeks, so make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Pocket Casts, Overcast, CastBox, Player FM, Downcast, Podbean, Podkicker, Podcruncher, Gpotter, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you do us the favor of leaving a rating and a review, let us know about it with an email to pokerstories at cardplayer.com and we'll hook you up with a free digital subscription to Card Player Magazine. Thanks for listening. <laughs>